And welcome to this mini-sode. Not quite a full episode, just a fun little story I really wanted to share with the listeners. As mentioned in the last two episodes of the podcast, Lois Joslin, longtime administrative assistant at Climax Scott Jr. Senior High School, passed away. And I was actually trying to get this story out sooner. I was actually trying to get my cousin Suzanne on the phone to record both our perspectives on this story, but it just hasn't worked out with schedule and trying to get the timing of this release. But I still wanted to get it out there for everybody because it's just one of my favorite stories about how if I had grown up anywhere but Climax Scots, my life probably would have looked a lot different. So to set the stage for this story, we've got to go back to the year 1996. Suzanne and I were sophomores in high school. We were sitting in a Biology 1 class. And to set the stage a little bit of what things were like back then, and honestly, they may be very close to this right now, but I'm many, many years out of high school. First, I've got to make sure people kind of remember or can understand the way hall passes worked in the mid-90s. Usually in those days, the students would fill out the hall pass in its entirety and hand it to the teacher. Teacher would look it over if they looked it over at all. Remember that if they looked it over at all part, because that's kind of a key ingredient to this story. And then the teacher would sign, and the student would go about their business. Now, those hall passes weren't exactly rocket science. My memory of them pretty much said the date. I forget if they said the time or not. Probably said the time. But it was essentially just a few blanks. It would say student, or maybe student or students. Then it would give a location or a destination. And then it would have a purpose. And then in the bottom right-hand corner, teachers would sign it. So what a typical use of those hall passes might be, let's say I was in math class with Doug Robinson, good old DR. I might fill out the pass to say student, Kevin, destination or location, restroom, purpose, use restroom, today's date, D-Rob looks it over, gives it a quick sign, I'm off, I do my business, come back to math class, nothing unusual, nothing to see here, right? And for the most part, I was never sure if teachers even looked those over. We, some of us just kind of had theories. You could write about anything on there. Just do what you had to do and get back to class. So that's part one you've got to understand. And part two, I think almost everyone listening to this show probably understands. The worst part about growing up in a small town is everybody knows you and kind of everyone knows your business, what you're into, what's your best parts, what's your worst parts, everything. But the best part as this story will illustrate, is kind of everybody knows you. They know your business. They know what you're into. They know what all of your quirks are. They know if you've been in trouble. They know if you haven't been in trouble. For the most part, everybody knows you. Now, this is something where when I look at schools around me in the greater Chicago area, I have parents with kids in these ginormous classes, and I've shared this story with them, and they can't even really relate to the school administrative assistant really knowing the students really in much detail at all. And that's where Mrs. J. Lois Joslin just stood head and shoulders above so many other administrative assistants in schools outside of Climax Scots. She knew all the kids. She knew all the families. She pretty much knew everybody's story. And thank goodness for that. 
Now, for those who did not know Suzanne or myself in the mid-90s, we were about as on the straight and narrow of two teenagers you're going to get in any town. No drugs, no drinking, no smoking. You know, we weren't the most boring kids in the world. We weren't sheltered, but we were more, let's make a joke, let's have some fun. But we definitely weren't into anything that was really too risque or taboo or anything like that. And just about everybody knew that about us, including Lois Joslin. Again, thank goodness for that. Now, also in the mid-90s, there was a science teacher by the name of Ray Ladd. And one day, he was either sick or I don't know what was going on. For some reason, Mr. Ladd was not in school that day, so he had a substitute teacher. And he had left that substitute teacher some plans for the day and some explicit notes. And for this Bio 1 class, the notes were pretty simple. It was essentially, let's have the kids watch this movie. If you need any help... Kevin and Suzanne are two students you can rely on. Or were we? Now, the substitute teacher that day, I have no memory of her name, just what she looked like, some of the characteristics, and certainly this story. At the start of class, things were going really, really well. The kids got into class. We saw we had a substitute teacher, and this girl looked like she was fresh out of the sorority house at Western Michigan University, fairly young, done up, just you could feel the the excitement, the energy, and that new teacher presence that she had. In my recollection, Suzanne can fact check me on this if I'm wrong, I believe she told us at the beginning of class, okay, Kevin and Suzanne, Mr. Ladd told me that I can count on you if I need to, and we probably said something like, yep, sure, the fairly non-committal high school-age child response, and things were going pretty well, although boring. The substitute teacher queued up the video we were supposed to watch, and even if you set your bar of expectation at is a high school biology educational science film, this film was boring. <laughs> I remember nothing about it other than it was painful for all the kids. Like it was just the longest class, because this was also in the day when classes were block schedule. So you wouldn't have a class every day. You'd have it for like an hour and a half or an hour and 40 minutes, two times a week, and then for like 25 minutes on Wednesday half days. It was a weird way to do school. Thank goodness the kids don't have to go through that anymore. Well, somewhere in the midst of this classroom, Suzanne and I got to talking, and I honestly don't know what our real intention was, but we got our hands on the hall pass pad. And I think our intention was probably just to go in the hallway and goof around or maybe go to the band room or some of the places where she and I would go and have a little bit more fun than dying of boredom in science class. So we filled out that hall pass. Remember, student or students, location, destination, purpose, sign, date. Well, we filled out our hall pass, and I will admit we weren't the greatest angels in this scenario. We were doing a little test partially to see if the substitute teacher or any teacher really reads this hall pass before they sign it. So we fill out our hall pass. We give it to the substitute teacher, and not only did she read it, boy, boy did she read it. Oh, man, you could see it in her eyes. It was a gotcha. It was a, oh, you kids tried to pull one over on me. And you could see it look, she just seemed like she stopped a heist, or in this case, Maybe a drug bust? So Suzanne and I get read some low-rent version of the riot act, right? Oh, you thought you could pull one over on me. You thought I was just going to sign this. You think that you can do this just because I'm a substitute. 
I'm going to show you and I'm going to march you right to the principal's office and just, you know, everything that an aggressive fresh out of college sub would probably do in the situation. So Suzanne and I kind of look at each other and we're realizing, all right, we're in trouble, but how much trouble can we really be in? Because we knew what the hall pass said, but we also knew that absolutely was not our intention. We were nowhere near the vicinity of even thinking about trying what was listed on this hall pass. And when I say we got marched to the principal's office, we were marched emphatically from the biology lab down the hall up to the high school office. And the high school office, it looked a little different then. It's still in the same location where it is in modern day CS. But in those days, the administrative assistants weren't quite in the location where they are now. So when we walked in that door, there was Linda Wilkie on the left and then Lois Joslin's desk was kind of straight ahead of the door. And when we get marched in that office, Mrs. J looks up and just kind of had a furrow in her brow because she could see, she could, you could read the body language clear as day. This substitute teacher was hot. She's fired up and she's got some troublemakers. But on the other hand, it was Kevin and Suzanne. Like, huh? What, what is this? What's going on here? Anyway, we just kind of go along for the ride, Suzanne and me, and the substitute's driving the bus in terms of doing all the talking. And I forget exactly what she said, but it's in the vicinity of these two need to talk to the principal and they need to be punished. They thought they were going to pull this over on me and this. And in my mind, she kind of holds up the folded in half hall pass slip. Uh, this, this is going to tell you everything you need to know about what they're trying to pull around here. And in my memory, she hands the pink slip, the hall pass to Lois Joslin. And the substitute kind of books it down the hall to get back to class. Now, part of me always wonders, did she ever think, these are the good kids? Like, these are the ones I was supposed to trust? These are the ones I could rely on? And to this day, I have no idea what else happened in that class. I assume she probably went back, finished the video, the class was over, and life went on. So here's Suzanne, here's me, we're in the office, maybe a little bit nervous, but also kind of having a reaction of, what the hell is going on here? So anyway, after the teacher leaves the office, Lois kind of looks up at us, again with a little bit of a raised eyebrow, and she unfolds the hall pass, and you can see her kind of looking on down her glasses over the tip of her nose and reading this hall pass, and her response was just a belly laugh, an absolute belly laugh. And that made us laugh too, for this hall pass read, and I quote, Students... Kevin and Suzanne. Location or destination? Hallway. Purpose? To smoke a big, fat joint. Now, again, we didn't... At that point, I don't even know if either of us would have known marijuana if it was put in front of us. It was just a comedy gag. It was something to see if she even would read the hall pass. And Lois just immediately laughs. And she has us sit in what was then what I would call the pre-office to the principal's office. And I believe that year, Julie Cummins was still the assistant principal. I don't think she moved up to principal until a year or two after that. But anyhow, that was our next destination, is we've got to see the, the principal or the principal on duty, right? So Lois just has us go into the, the little pre-office area and says, okay, you two, go in there and wait for Julie. She should be back in a few minutes. So we're sitting in there just talking and kind of wondering, okay, what, what's even going on here? Well, anyhow, a few minutes go by, 
we clearly hear that Julie has come back in. Now, the, I believe the door between us was shut or it was cracked open enough. In any case, we could hear Lois and Julie, and you could kind of hear, like, Julie, hey? As the voices got lower, you could realize the gist was Julie realizing, oh, wait, I've got students in there? Wait, something's wrong? Who's in there? And you hear Lois say, oh, it's Kevin and Suzanne. And I remember Julie saying, Kevin and Suzanne? Like, huh? What, what are these guys doing? They aren't troublemakers. And then what I can only imagine was Lois handing the slip to Julie. We just hear Julie start to laugh, like bust out laughing because what that paper says is not even remotely indicative of the actions prior or in that moment of the two students in the office. Fast forward a little bit, Julie comes in and basically without saying it in as many words, Julie just tells us, hey, you guys shouldn't have done that. It's pretty funny though. We can't just send you back to class. Now you guys just hang out in here for the rest of the period. So ultimately, Suzanne and I got what we wanted. We were just trying to get out of this room of seeing this very underwhelming science biology film. And I still contend that that situation could have gone so many ways different if it weren't for Lois Joslin. And I don't mean that she stuck her neck out or did some rogue thing. What I mean there is... Without Lois Joslin knowing the student body, knowing the parents, knowing the teachers, and knowing how every little bit of that school system works and how all the human elements fit together, she immediately knew these are just a couple of goofy kids. This is a joke. This isn't something that warrants some giant punishment. But at the same time, okay, the kids need to know maybe they shouldn't have done that. But she knew us. She made sure that we didn't get some punishment for something that we clearly were not intending to do. And that's why I call this story, Mrs. J Saves the Day. Thanks for listening to me rant on this just fond memory I have of my time growing up in Climax Scots. We'll be back real soon with another episode of Climax the Podcast, Love Letter to a Small Town.